This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion, one verse at a time. Well, hello, everybody. Thanks for joining me once again on the One Verse Podcast. Let me ask you, do you need to confess Jesus in order to have eternal life or to prove that you actually have it? There's several passages in the Bible that people use to defend this idea, and they say that if you don't take a public confession, make a public confession, you know, in front of witnesses, then uh, maybe you didn't receive eternal life or maybe you never had it in the first place. Is that true? Well, that is what we're going to look at in today's study. We'll be looking at three different verses today, three different passages, which is used to teach this idea. So uh, stick around, and that is what we'll be studying today as we look at these texts. Now, before we do that, are you a blogger, author, podcaster, something like that? I've been doing my blog and podcast and author for quite a while. My blog, oh, for close to 20 years now, if you can believe it. Uh, really just seriously for about 12 years or so. And in that time, I've learned an awful lot about blogging. Uh, Nowadays, I get uh, thousands of visitors every single day, uh, which is hundreds of thousands a month. And I don't say that to boast or anything like that, but just to say that I have learned a little bit about blogging uh, over the years. Now, if you are a blogger, an author, uh, and you want more visibility, you want more people to come and visit your blog, here's one of the key things you can do. You need to get other bloggers and podcasters to link to your blog. And that way their readers will come over and find you. So, uh, but how do you do that, right? Well, that's the key. That's the trick, isn't it? Uh, well, if you want to do that, one of the best things I have found in my own blogging career is joining a synchro blog. This is when a bunch of bloggers around the world all write about the same topic or theme Every month, answer a question, whatever it is. And then, after everybody has written their post, we all link to each other's posts in our post. Okay? And that way you get backlinks, you get traffic, you get more readers, you get more subscribers, and um, and you are also helping other people. It, it's a wonderful way to meet other bloggers, make connections uh, with other authors, podcasters, and, of course, get more readers for your own blog as well. If that's something that sounds interesting to you, You need to join us this month. We're writing on the topic of hell. So if you have views on hell or want to discuss a passage about hell or just, you know, discuss the question of hell, uh, please join us. Your post is due on May 29th. All right, that's less than a week away. Anyway, you can learn more by going to synchroblog.wordpress.com. All right. And uh, you'll find all the details there. Get, get your post written. Even if you've already written a post, that's okay. And this will be a great way to meet other bloggers, get some backlinks for your blog, and hopefully gain some more traffic. Synchroblog.wordpress.com. Hope to see you there this month. All right. So let's uh, discuss this idea of confessing Jesus in order to receive eternal life or prove that you have eternal life uh, uh, you know, making this public declaration. Now, there are several verses in the Bible that seem to indicate that you do need to make this public confession of Jesus, uh, you know, that Jesus is Lord uh, in order to be saved, something like that. And so many people interpret these passages as saying that if you do not let others know that you are a 
follower of Jesus, you know, if you don't share your testimony, if you don't witness, if you don't take a stand for Jesus, then maybe that means you don't actually have eternal life. You know, you're going to go to hell or something like that for eternity. All right. And although there are some passages, we're going to look at three of them today that do seem to teach this. If you understand these passages in their context, that's what we're going to do today. You'll see that none of them actually teach that you need to take this public stand in order to receive eternal life. There are other benefits and blessings that come along with taking this public stand, but one of them is not receiving eternal life. All right, so that's what we're going to see today. The bottom line truth, in case you don't listen any further, is this. Look, uh, you receive eternal life in one way and one way only, by believing in Jesus for it. All right, this is the consistent truth all over. Jesus himself taught this. Believe in Jesus for eternal life. All right, that's how you receive it. Okay, so you do not receive eternal life by taking a public stand, to making a public confession, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, submitting to Jesus Lord, none of that sort of stuff. Okay, so that's what we're going to see today as we look at these three texts. Now, before we look at the three texts, though, it's important to understand what the word confess means. We did talk about this in last week's uh, podcast episode, so I'm not going to address it in great detail again. But basically, the word confess means agree. And uh, yes, uh, we can agree with God about anything he teaches in Scripture. And so one of the things, obviously, that Scripture teaches is that Uh, Jesus is Lord. He is master, ruler, judge, king, and we're supposed to obey him and follow him and do what he says. And so when scripture teaches that, we are supposed to agree or confess with what God has revealed uh, and agree with God that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is our master. And of course, live in light of that. All right, so that's what the word confess means. So when scripture invites us to confess that Jesus is Lord, it means to agree and live in light of that, all right? Uh, And that's what God invites us to do. Uh, I do talk about the word confess an awful lot more in my online course, The Gospel Dictionary. It looks at 52 keywords of the gospel, and obviously one of those is the word confess. So if that's interesting to you, you can uh, just go over to my website, redeeminggod.com, sign up for the discipleship group, and uh, you can take that course for free. And I'm adding more lessons to it all the time. I've got one on the word fellowship that uh, should be published in the next week or two. All right. So confession then. Is confession that Jesus is Lord required for eternal life? The simple answer is no. I already told you why. The only condition, the only way we gain or receive eternal life is by believing in Jesus for it. John 3.16, 5.24, 6.47, all over the place in the Bible— Uh, We read that God gives eternal life to those who believe in Jesus for it. You don't receive eternal life by submitting your life to the lordship of Jesus, by confessing your sins, by walking an aisle, saying a prayer, asking Jesus into your heart. Okay, There's all sorts of popular messages that people hear in churches nowadays, and uh, they're all confusing uh, and, and even misleading. The consistent message of Scripture and the Gospel, Jesus himself, Paul, Peter, John, everybody, even James, is, you want eternal life? Believe in Jesus for it. All right? There's no action, effort, commitment, dedication, repentance, confession. No work is needed on your part of any kind. All right? 
So what then is the point of submitting to Jesus as Lord? Because he is Lord, isn't he? I believe he's Lord. I hope you believe he's Lord. What's the point of that? It's not to receive eternal life, but so that you can live your life as part of the family of God. Submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, confessing that Jesus is Lord, is a sanctification truth. It's how we follow Jesus on the path of discipleship. It's not how we receive eternal life, or keep our eternal life, or even prove that we have eternal life. Submission to the Lordship of Jesus, following Jesus, all of that is sanctification truth that helps us become more like Jesus, so that our life becomes conformed to his image and likeness, okay? Nevertheless, there are a few passages that people say, see, see, you have to make a public stand for Jesus. You have to confess Jesus Lord. You got to stand up for Jesus. And if you don't, uh, off to hell with you. Okay, so let's look at three of these passages. One of them is Matthew 10, 32, parallel passage, Luke 12, 8. And in this text, Jesus says this, therefore, Whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. So some people look at this and say, see, if you don't confess Jesus before men, right, this is this public confession, then Jesus is not going to say that he knew you. He's going to deny you. He will not confess you before his Father in heaven. And uh, so you can see how some people get this idea of the necessity, the requirement of a public confession before people in order to have eternal life. But notice something very important about this text here in Matthew 10. You look in the context, and Jesus is not talking about eternal life. In the context, he's teaching discipleship truth to people who are already believers. He's saying... For example, in Matthew 10, 39, that if you want to find your life, if you want to figure out why you are here on this earth, what God has given you, then, uh, you know, what your purpose is, how to have a, have a, live a life of significance, Jesus says, then your first thing is to give up all your plans and follow him, to do what he says, to, yes, connect yourself to him and his plans for your life, rather than your own plans. Again, this is not how to receive eternal life. This is how to live your life here and now as a follower of Jesus, to to accomplish the things that he has put you on this earth to accomplish. All right, and Jesus says, when you do that, all right, then you will be proud of him because you, you will be proud of who he made you to be, what he gifted you to do, all right, the tasks he has assigned to you, and you will stand up and you will do these things because you will be following Jesus, and Jesus will be leading you into some exciting directions, and when you follow him in these ways, people are just going to take notice, okay? And so as a result, you are going to be proud of following Jesus, and he will be proud that you are following him. And he will boast about you. That's what Matthew 10 is talking about. He will boast about you before God and the angels in heaven. It's very much like uh, in Job, when when, uh, God boasts to Satan about Job. Have you seen my, my friend Job? You know, God says, all right? God was very proud of how Job was living, and he boasted about him. The same thing happens. Now, now, Jesus isn't boasting about us to Satan. Jesus is boasting about us to God. 
right? But again, it's the same sort of idea there, all right? So here in Matthew 10, uh, Jesus is saying, look, if you want me to be proud and boast about you before God in heaven, then look, stand up for me. If you don't stand up for me on this earth, it doesn't mean you don't have eternal life, you're, I'm going to reject you and send you to hell. No, <laughs> okay? Just don't expect for Jesus to be proud of you, to boast about you, to say, hey, you know, have you seen what my servant, my friend, my brother down there, my sister down there is doing? God, check that out, how they've stood up for me, all right? And the only way that's going to happen is if we stand up for him here in this life, all right? So um, a similar idea, and this is the second passage we want to look at, very, very similar idea is found in 2 Timothy 2.12. All right, uh, there Paul writes, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Now, this word deny in the Greek is the opposite of the word confess. So if confess means to agree, then the opposite of agree is to deny. No, God, I do not agree. In fact, I deny what you're saying. Okay, so that's the opposite of confession. That's why we're talking about this a little bit. But also this idea, well, if we don't confess him, then he's not going to confess us, right? And so people say, well, he's going to deny us. That means if we deny him, then he, he denies us and we go to hell. No, <laughs> okay, look in the context here. Look at the verse. It's not about eternal life. It says, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. This idea of reign is related to the, the rule and reign of God in our lives and on this earth and, and, and in the future, new heavens and new earth. This is about the kingdom of God that began, was inaugurated with Jesus, and will continue forever and ever throughout all eternity. It's not about receiving eternal life, keeping eternal life, proving you have eternal life. This is about eternal reward, re-ruling and reigning with God here and now. It's not just in the eternity, but it's also here and now, all right? So uh, in, in the immediate context here, Paul does talk about salvation, okay? That's in 2.10. But in Paul's writings, in Timothy, we'll see it here in a minute, just in Romans as well, salvation for Paul doesn't mean what many of us think of as salvation. When most of us think about salvation, we think you know, get forgiveness of sins so you can go to, you know, heaven and escape hell, that sort of a thing. That's not what the word salvation means um, most of the time. In fact, I would say never in the New Testament. Again, we talk about that in the Gospel Dictionary online course, the word salvation there. Uh, but for Paul, it means salvation is primarily being delivered from the power of sin in our lives. It's destructive consequences in our lives here and now. Sin is, is damaging and destructive, not only to us, but to the people we're in relationship with, to our friends and family members, even to our health, our finances, all sorts of things, okay? And so the salvation, when Paul often talks about salvation, he's not talking about going to heaven when you die. He's talking about being delivered from the negative, devastating, destructive consequences of sin in your life. And Paul is saying in the context here of, of 2 Timothy, how can you experience this salvation? It doesn't come automatically. You've got to, partially, one of the things, submit to the Lordship of Jesus. Agree that he is Lord, that you are going to follow him. Look, you have two choices as a Christian. You can either follow Jesus or not. You can agree that Jesus is Lord and do what he says, or you can deny that Jesus is Lord and not do what he says. 
And if you deny that Jesus is Lord and you don't do what he says, well, guess what? (laughs) That means you're going to be sinning. That means you're going to experience the devastating and destructive consequences of sin in your lives. And when those things come upon you, okay, you can't say, God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you punishing me? Why? God is saying, I didn't do that to you. You did it to yourself because you didn't obey. You didn't do what I commanded. You didn't follow my instructions in scripture. Okay, so Paul, here in the context, uh, like in all through chapter two, he gives Timothy several things that he can do as a follower of Jesus. Endure hardship, suffer trouble, be diligent, shun idle arguments, right? Depart iniquity, flee youthful lusts, pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. Okay, what are all these things? These are discipleship truths that we can do so that we can break free and live free from the power of sin in our lives. All right, so that's 2 Timothy 2.12. Once again, it's not about gaining eternal life, keeping eternal life, proving that you have eternal life. It's about discipleship truths so that we can live this life as God wants us to. All right? This also is the truth we learn in the third text we're looking at today, and that is Romans 10. 9 and 10. Let me read it for you. Very famous text, often quoted at baptism services and all sorts of other things. Here, here to it. Here's what Paul writes. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, or some translations say that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. All right? So again, very famous text. I hear it quoted all the time. People say, look, it's one thing to believe in your heart, but it's not enough. You need to make a public confession with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And if you don't do that, well, you are not saved. Look, Paul says it, (laughs) right? You must confess with your mouth and believe in your heart to be saved. All right. What is Paul talking about? Well, you probably already know based on the two texts we've already looked at, but it's this word salvation again that throws most people. So let me just, again, once reiterate to you again, salvation in Scripture and in Paul, all right, throughout the entire Bible, most often is not at all about forgiveness of sin so you can escape hell, go to heaven when you die, you know, the the eternal life future, none of that. Salvation in Scripture is usually, most often, about here and now, this life, escaping the punish, the, the consequences. Sin bears its own punishment, uh, escaping um, even physical sickness, ruining our marriage, destroying the lives of our children, um, uh, destroying enemies coming to it, or, or avoiding the enemies coming to attack us, all sorts of things that salvation can refer to. Disciples are out on the boat. Jesus is sleeping. A big storm comes up. They said, Lord, Jesus, save us. Are they saying, Jesus, we want to go to heaven when we die? No, they're saying, Jesus, we're about to drown. We don't want to drown. Help us not drown. Okay? They want to avoid premature physical death by drowning, from drowning. So they said, Jesus, save us. Okay? That's how salvation is most often used in Scripture. That's what Paul is talking about here. You can read it all the way through the book of Romans, begins all the way in, in chapter 1 and so on, but it's, it's the same idea all the way throughout. 
Okay, Paul is not just writing Romans to tell us how to be justified so that we can go to heaven when to die. That's just a small part of Romans. There's a huge section in Romans about sanctification. All right? And, and so people see these words saved and salvation, and they think Paul's referring to eternal life, but he isn't. Okay? Uh, he's referring to deliverance or rescue, ways to avoid the devastation caused by sin. All right? So you think about the, the sort of the overall flow of Romans. I'm not going to go through the whole thing here, but for example, Paul does tell his readers how to receive eternal life. Now, Paul calls it justification or the righteousness of God. So he talks about that, for example, in Romans chapters 4 and 5. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on and tells the, his readers how to experience the life with God here and now. That's Romans 6, 7, and 8. And in there, right in chapter 7, this whole struggle we have with sin. All right? Uh, and he, he, he sandwiches that, he brackets it by being uh, baptized, buried with Jesus, talking about spirit baptism there in chapter 6, and then life in the Spirit in chapter 8. All right, so Paul not only wants his readers to be justified, Romans 4 and 5, he also wants them to be sanctified, Romans 6, 7, and 8. He wants them to be declared righteous by God, Romans 4 and 5, but also to live righteously in the sight of men. Romans 6, 7, and 8. All right, so when Paul writes about salvation, it's this day-to-day living journey of discipleship and sanctification that he has in mind. All right, salvation in Romans, the word salvation or saved, it's not about gaining forgiveness of sins, we can escape hell, go to heaven when we die. (laughs) All right, it's about following Jesus on the path of discipleship. All right, living our lives with a goal towards sanctification so that we can destroy, we can avoid the destructive and devastating consequences of sin in our lives, all right? And that is what Paul is talking about in Romans 10, 9 and 10. Now, notice he does say it is that, that uh, let me go back to the text here, it is with a heart one believes unto righteousness, okay? So when we believe in our heart, that is when we are justified. It's a done deal at that point. Okay? But if all you do is believe in Jesus and receive the righteousness of God, you are justified, you have eternal life at that point. <laughs> Does that mean you are free from sin and temptation? You're no longer going to struggle? You've broken free from all of your patterns of, of, of you know, addictive and destructive and damaging behavior that you've lived your whole... No! <laughs> all right? The Spirit comes in and he wants to start cleaning out your life, but Paul is saying, Jesus teaches, all the apostles, Peter, James, John, everybody, says, look, there's things we need to do too. Submit to Jesus. Obey Jesus. All right? Boldly, and, and Paul is writing here, one of the things that you can do, which will be very helpful for you, is to take a public stand for Jesus. Why? Because when you stand up, and I'm not saying literally stand, but when you let people know, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm submitting my life to Jesus now. That means they're going to be watching. And when you know people are watching what you do, what you say, how you act, that goes a long way in helping you protect your behavior. Follow Jesus. All right? That's what Paul is talking about here in Romans 10, 9 and 10. He's saying it's wonderful that you've believed and received the righteousness of God, but if you want to actually live out this righteousness in your life, 
well, begin by taking a public stand for Jesus. All right, and that's what he's talking about here in Romans 10, 9 to 10. We are justified by faith alone, all right? But one key to experiencing salvation or deliverance from the power and penalty and the power of sin in our lives is to boldly proclaim with our mouth that Jesus is our Lord and Master. All right? So, is public confession with the mouth important? Of course it is. I would never deny that truth. It's taught all over the place in Scripture. All right? Taking a public stand for Jesus, often with our mouth, is essential for finding freedom from the power of sin in our lives. But notice very carefully, this public stand for Jesus is not required for eternal life. God declares us righteous when we believe in Jesus. Look, even if you look in the context here of Romans 10, after this, down in verses 14 and 15, Paul sort of summarizes what he's been talking uh, talking about, and he begins his description with this idea of calling on the name of the Lord or calling on him. Okay, and then he works his way backward into how that happened. But if we were to reverse that, reverse the steps, he starts with the end and then works back to the beginning. But we can start with the beginning and then work to the end if we want. So here it is in verses 14 and 15, Romans 10, 14 and 15. Paul writes this, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Okay, so you see how he ends with this, or begins with this calling on him, and works all the way back to sending the preacher. But we can reverse this and put it in the, 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 the actual chronological order. So here's how it works. A person is sent, step number one, right? A person is sent to declare, preach the gospel. It might be a missionary. Okay, obviously it was Jesus. Paul was one of these. Okay, I'm one of those. Uh, and, and so that's the first step. A person is sent. Then this person is sent, second step, preaches to people, declares the gospel with word and deed, example, all sorts of ways that this can be done. Okay, step number three, people hear what is preached. That's the third step. Okay, person is sent, that person preaches, people hear. Fourth step, people believe what is preached. And it is here when they believe, especially the message of eternal life in the gospel, this is when they are justified. Okay, so here at the fourth step, this is when justification, when the person hears and then they believe what, is, what they hear, that's when they are justified. Fifth and finally then, those who are justified, that is those who have believed and received the righteousness of God, they're the ones who call on the name of the Lord. Why? Not to receive eternal life. They've got that. They got that in step four. Why do they call on the name of the Lord? Why do they confess that Jesus is Lord? Same ideas. (laughs) The reason is for sanctification. They're saying, great, God, thank you for uh, accepting me into your family. Thank you for your righteousness. Thank you for giving me eternal life. But God, I got these problems with sin in my life that have been destroying my life, destroying my relationships, uh, damaging me, and they're causing havoc all around me. What can I do, God? Okay, They're calling on the name of the Lord. They're praying to God. They're seeking his, his will in Scripture. All right? they're, they're, they're asking God to guide them and saying, Jesus, I believe you are Lord and Master of my life. Show me now how to live. So that's the fifth and final step. Notice once again, even here in the context, this is a sanctification truth. All right, A person doesn't call on the name of the Lord until after they have believed in Jesus for righteousness. Right? So, 
all these passages that we've seen are all about not receiving eternal life by taking a public stand or public making, you know, a public confession that Jesus is Lord. It's a very important biblical truth in scripture, but it doesn't, it's not required to receive eternal life. Public confession of Jesus does not grant us eternal life, help us keep eternal life, or prove that we have eternal life. All of that, okay, is simply by believing in Jesus for it. Public confession, though, very important for sanctification, for conforming our life and image to Jesus Christ, following him in what he says. All right? So, do you need to confess that Jesus is Lord? Well, (laughs) depends on what you're trying to do. If you want to gain eternal life from God, then no, you do not need to confess that Jesus is Lord. Simply believe that Jesus has given eternal life to you. That's it. Eternal life is a free gift received by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. You don't need to confess that Jesus is Lord for that. However, if you've received eternal life and you want to break free from the besetting, addicting, destructive patterns and power of sin in your life, then yes, confession that Jesus is Lord, submission to him in your life, taking a public stand that you are a follower of Jesus, that will be very important. Only when we commit to following Jesus and take a stand for him will we experience the salvation, that is, the the deliverance from the power of sin in our lives here and now. Sure hope this makes sense to you. Listen, if you have questions or comments, just go to the comments section on my website, go to redeeminggod.com, confess Jesus, Romans 10, 9, and 10, or you can just search for that on Google and Google will serve it right up to you. And uh, you can ask me a question there or reach out to me on Facebook or Twitter or wherever else you are found and I will try to answer your question that way as well. Also, if you have other passages related to this, feel free to ask me for a brief explanation of those texts and I'll see what I can do. And remember, if you are a blogger or podcaster or author and you're trying to find more people to read your blog, read your books, please consider joining our Synchro blog. Every month, a bunch of authors and bloggers write about similar topics and themes. And then we link to one another so that all of us benefit from the audiences and readers of other people. And then Google sees this and says, wow, look at this. All these blogs are linking to each other and Google likes that as well. And so they start to send more readers to your blog from searches on Google, all right? I've been doing this for about 15 years, and as I said earlier, I don't say this to boast, but uh, right now I'm getting thousands of visitors every single day to my blog, hundreds of thousands a month, and I'm convinced the main reason, one of the main reasons, is because I participate in this Synchro blog. So if you want to join us, just go to synchroblog.wordpress.com. The theme for this month is hell. You can write anything you want about hell. And, uh, and the, the post has to go up by May 29th, so that's only a few days away. Uh, but I hope that you participate with us. If you miss this one, there will be other topics next month. We have a different topic every single month. I hope you will join us. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week as we look at another passage from Scripture. Until then, may your life and theology look more and more like Jesus Christ.